You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. for them. Love the Drake. <laughs> Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. We're part of the Batman Universe podcast network that it's officially going to roll out January of next year, and it's going to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the Batman Universe. So that's pretty cool that we're... Uh, we've now been with the Batman Universe, what, three years, probably going on four. Uh, we're also associated with Batman on Film, and their podcast network is BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, so you can find us in a couple of different places. We're also on iTunes and all those wonderful places. You can get a hold of us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves a Drake. We're on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. Podcast. We're on Instagram, and you can email into the show at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com, and we're also on YouTube. So just search Robin Everyone Loves a Drake across social media, and you should be able to find us. Uh, welcome to episode 63, and with me, as always, is usually one of my two other co-hosts, and tonight we have Terrence with us. How's it going tonight, sir? Yeah, for me, it's going great. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit of uh, scheduling, (laughs) just craziness trying to narrow it all down. And then eventually Ryan, if we remembered, he had a really good friend coming in this weekend and they were going to the North Carolina Comic Con. Uh, which I unfortunately will not be going to. I but, was going to uh, ask if that was even on yeah. there, right? I kind of knew it wasn't because it sounds like you guys are getting ready. And I'm sure as people are listening to this show, we're really close to, I mean, the holiday for Justice League is coming. But, you know, the bigger ones are Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I'm just putting this out there. The podcast is going to kind of be in limbo a little bit we're going to be on wednesdays but it may slide oh it's they were at the last part of the month oh there's just one this month so uh bear with us we're going to at least try two more i think maybe um i'd like to get a christmas one but it it's holiday season so uh family's going to kind of come first before the podcast but uh hopefully maybe we get another one out of us so i don't mean to interrupt you, terrence just kind of want to get that out there for people listening <laughs> of why the show yeah. get, gets a little funny towards the tail end of the year no 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 that's cool and and as as some people know one of my several jobs that i have is is being a, a certified disney plant trip planner <laughs> and part of that is is making sure i go to walt disney world and um uh 
keeping abreast on everything for that. So my family and I will be going for the Thanksgiving holiday. So if you're listening to this and when it comes out, I might be on like Splash Mountain right now or, <laughs> or, or uh, you know, Space Mountain or something fun. But uh, we'll be we'll be leaving for that. And I, I was hoping to maybe do something for the YouTube channel while I was in Disney. So you may see me reviewing a, a Robin comic you know, <laughs> in, that's... in the Magic Kingdom or something. I, if, if time for, you know, time is always such a crunch when you're on vacation, yeah. but I'd, I'd love to do a little something for the YouTube channel. Yeah. That's funny. You mentioned about being a, a Disney planner. I've known that you have been, but my sister is also a, a, oh, Dis- cool. a, a Disney planner. So I'm like, boy, you sure go to Disney an awful lot. And she's like, yeah. well, you, you got to keep up on stuff. And she keeps telling me, you know, the Star Wars stuff is happening. I'm like, I'm going with you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like one of those things where if you 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 love Walt Disney World and you, you go a lot, it makes sense to become a Disney planner for the discounts and mm-hmm. the the perks. And then, you know, so it's kind of like it's not like, oh, I, I'm going to get this job and now I got to learn all this stuff about it it's kind of it's kind of like the comic book collector who goes works in the comic book store you know like right it's, it, uh, but um oh man i forgot what i was gonna say but yeah i got sidetracked there thinking about that but uh oh uh i i did put a couple things on the youtube channel i just my uh stepdaughter and i did a challenge one at toys r us and one at target Those to see fun. if we could find any tim drake stuff and and so we were we were having a little fun teasing you rob a little bit and she was like really like she's like is rob gonna be mad at you for saying that is rob gonna be i'm like no nah, rob's a good sport he'll he'll have fun but we did oh, yeah. find tim drake in target and in in toys r us so yep. it's just kind of kind of having some fun but if anybody wanted to see um my my walt disney videos because we do vlog that too it's it's also on youtube there under uh, a channel called o'neill channel which is kind of uh, i'm sorry o'neill travel and the, the channel it's always going back and forth which who's got more subscribers the the drake channel or the <laughs> the o'neill channel so i think right now o'neill channel's got like 120 and and drake's got like 70 so i'm uh, i'm going back and forth on that but uh we, we have a lot of fun with it so uh and and one of these days we'll get up to ohio and uh <laughs> visit you yeah yeah, uh, it sounds like Cincinnati may be the uh, uh, the place. We'll spend a, a nice day at the uh, uh, zoo there. It's a great zoo. Yeah, that's my wife wants to go. So if we, I think it's like a ten or twelve hour drive for us to get to Cincinnati, and like a two hour drive for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm kind of meeting you more than halfway there, buddy. <laughs> right. <laughs> you better be there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I we did have before we get in. I got a couple questions for you, but we did have some some sad news, and uh, I know you wanted to say a couple things, but we we were really fortunate enough um, a few months back, and Ryan really set this up to get to interview Denny O'Neill. And um, part of that interview is going to be on Ryan's podcast uh, for the Asriel, which what is that called again? He calls it uh, it's, it's the, the the agent of the bat. I think is okay. It's kind of going back and forth, but right now it's just Asriel podcast. You can find him on Twitter that way. Yeah, and we got we got to interview Denny O'Neill, who really all this stuff that we're doing would not be around if it wasn't for Denny O'Neill right. and his guidance. And if you're reading Lonely Place of Living right now, I've read three of the four parts, and that that gun-toting Batman is probably what we would have got in the '90s if it wasn't for Denny O'Neill. Right. Uh, so, um, or if or if this was a Marvel comic, but um, we got to interview Denny O'Neill, and it was so awesome. And everything he said, I'd kind of heard before several times. Right. But it was just so awesome to hear him 
tell us. And it was like it was like talking to your grandfather yes. uh, or get, hearing old stories. You know, just you, you've heard the same story 18 times, but you just want to hear it one more time. Uh, and and we were saddened to hear. I think I heard found out today, but uh, maybe it was a while ago that his wife had passed away. Yeah. And uh, you had even recalled that he had spoke to his wife while we were on the phone with him, that he he had asked her some questions and uh, for about dates. And he he's always talked you know just uh like a this romantic you know love story with him and his wife that yeah. was he knew her as a, a teenager i think and yeah. then they didn't see each other for 20 years and he went through alcoholism and rehab and and came out of it and then they found each other again and got married and and he sounded like a really uh devoted uh husband and father to her and her i think she had some children so i think he, yeah. he became a stepfather to them and uh so we're we're saddened that you know this close to the holidays that you know his wife passed away so we just wanted to send our, our thoughts and prayers out to the o'neill family and and Denny and um, I know everyone out there in the Batman world, you know, kind of feels the same way. Yeah, that was that was one of the coolest interviews, and it, it we need to preface this by saying it, the interview was quite long, and uh, Ryan has been you know, feverishly you know editing things and getting things together because it's going to go between like three different podcasts. It's going to help launch uh, his Azrael podcast and. Uh, you know, plus with having a baby, it's kind of slowed some of that uh, down. So I think he was talking that uh, he may get that up, you know, the first of uh, 2018. That sounds weird to say, but yeah. but in the in the interview, I mean, like Terrence said, the stories we've heard on DVD before, but that he was including, you know, his wife in the conversation. I can't even remember what the topic was, but it led down to how he met his wife, and. Like just Terrence said, I, I felt like I was sitting back listening to my grandfather talk about how I met my grandmother. It was just, it was just real sweet. And I remember the, uh, just kind of hearing that story. So um, I'm going to put up a, a little sound clip uh, to kind of segue us into the uh, the show. Just a little bit of of that interview, and then you'll be able to hear the full thing uh, between the Azriel podcast, our podcast, and I think the tail end of it where he was talking. Um, about some Dark Knight uh, or the the Batman uh, film stuff uh, is going to be over on a Batman on film. Uh, so with that, we'll take a, a quick little moment of silence and we'll play a little clip from the interview. When we come back, uh, we will start off episode 63. Uh, this is for the O'Neill family. Take care. I, you know, you're a teenager, you girls. I'm looking at the girl I dated back in those days right now she's two feet from me <laughs> uh, sweet and you know lots of other things and then Mary can you tell that um, about the time that that cute little school teacher whose mother didn't like me uh was teaching in St. Louis and teaching one of my nephews, so she got in touch with me. And uh, we hadn't seen each other for 30 years. We met for dinner, never got dinner. We talked until 3 a.m. And then she visited me in New York, and our kids met and liked each other. And so suddenly I was a husband again. Uh, and the job became wonderful. 
He picked her up some flowers on a Sunday afternoon. They sat out on the porch swing underneath the crescent moon. A lifetime seemed to pass, staring at the skies. And on the swing, he gave her the ring. There were tears in her eyes. Said I pray I'm not alone in my dreams about forever. That you and I could become one and always be together. We grow old and wise through all the days, for worse or for better. And I'll be true because I love you even now more than ever. Into the night where the eyes of loneliness can never bother. All our dreams up together, uneclipsed by never, never. My time flies and seeing your eyes will fly farther. Flowers on a Sunday afternoon. He rode the Greyhound bus past the house they used to swoon. He knelt beside the grave, hung his head, a teardrop fell, and on the stone epitaph shone the words he knew so well. 
time flies, but we'll fly farther into the night where the eyes of loneliness can never bother. All our dreams of together, uneclipsed by never, never. My time flies, it's in your eyes, but we'll fly farther. We'll fly farther into the night where the eyes of loneliness can never bother. All our dreams of together are eclipsed by never, never. My time flies as in your eyes, we'll fly farther. We'll fly farther All right, we're back. Uh, Terrence, I think you said you had a, a couple uh, questions before we get to, into our uh, books today. Yeah, you know, it's hard to segue from like such yeah. <laughs> unfortunate news to like, hey, let's talk about comic books and stuff. But, you know, in some way, that's that's why comic books are great, because they are an escape from, you know, the real world and, and you can kind of lose yourself in it. But I had a question for you because I've, you know, I get my books monthly, so I'm kind of behind and stuff. But I, I've read a lot of it and I have just been absolutely loving Dark Knight's Metal and I was wondering how do you how, how have you felt about Dark Knight's Metal uh, I've really liked uh, Dark Knight's uh, Metal I think it's been a really good story and um, I got the you probably seen how the, the t-shirt it looks like the concert t-shirt you would have got back in the 80s and it has you know what looks like tour dates but it's all of the books that are going to be in there and I told myself I'm not going to get the 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 offshoots and all that stuff um but i found myself reading more of it like oh i want to know more about this so i've been picking up all of the like the the devastator uh, i think the, the the man who laughs i think that recently came out maybe that's next week but like uh the red death and all those different things just the zacky or zacky zany and crazy <laughs> and you know it really feels like this could be a batman metal <laughs> music video or something like that and some of the Snyder Capullo stuff starts out really strong and starts to kind of taper as the story goes. I feel like every issue is just hitting you over the head like, holy crap, I, I didn't think this was going to happen. And all these characters are starting to come back and seeing things like hints at Plastic Man and Mr. Terrific and, you know, where the story is going to go. Has just been, I've, it's been really holding my attention. Yeah, I really love the uh, the the side books for about each uh, evil version of Batman. The um, metallic covers are gorgeous. Oh, I yeah. love these covers. And at three ninety nine, you know, they lowered the price. They were originally four ninety nine, and then they lowered them to three ninety nine because the first issue metal sold so well. Which I, that's a really cool thing DC did. And there's not eight thousand covers for each one. It's one cover, right. one book. And so I, I really dug. That that's the way to do a, a cover. Like that's the way to do a, a quote unquote gimmicky cover. You know, is not to you know <laughs> make it eight ninety nine or or right. that's you know Spider Man with nine ninety nine or something. You know, and um they really 
the offshoots have really like top notch talent doing it. You know, they got Tonius Daniel and uh, Tan, and I'm looking at a couple of them here. And I read the um, the four part offshoot. It was called the Gotham Resistance, which yeah. is like Teen Titans, Nightwing, Green Arrow, and Suicide Squad. Which I read all four of those books anyway. But that was really cool. And did you think Nightwing's uh, cold weather suit was kind of reminiscent <laughs> of Batman and Robin? Yeah, <laughs> George Clooney ish. Yeah, yeah. I you think that was deliberate or you that think had that be. was that had to be i mean i okay i was yeah. wanting to geek out and show my wife it and i knew it was just going to fly right over her head so i'm like i i want to ask you when we talk and i i'm glad you brought it up because i completely forgot it but i chuckled i'm like man somebody has to have watched batman and robin and going okay i think i'm gonna put this in there <laughs> Yeah, I thought it looked pretty cool though. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it like actually looked a lot better than the movie. Right. But uh, yeah, I thought that was, I thought it was kind of a cool homage to a, uh, you know, a, a not not one of the greatest moments in Batman history. Right. So, but, but yeah, I, I've been loving metal. Um, now I have it in my hand. I don't know if you have it yet with you getting your books monthly, but I have the Dark Knight's uh, Batman Lost uh, tie-in issue. Uh, no, I don't have that. Don't have that one yet. So I, I didn't know if you. Like by the time you got your books, if it had shipped yet or or not, so I'll be interested to see what you have to say. But I haven't read it either. But the cover on this, you know, again is like the metal foil, but it's it's red and has this really eerie glow. And I've been hearing some good things about this uh, issue. So um, yeah, I'm curious to see where, where how metal's going to go. And like you mentioned earlier, we have a lonely place of living, which I've, we've had a couple questions. Uh, we will get to it. But it is going to be next year when we that, – that sounds like, oh, next year, a whole year away. It's literally yeah. going to be like a month and a half, and we'll be – that will probably, probably be one of the first things we do in the new year so we can get through Christmas and the holidays and not rush it and kind of make it um, an event for us. Yeah, I read parts uh, two and three today, actually, at the Toyota dealership while my wife was getting her car <laughs> – well, I was getting my wife's car oil change, and I liked it, but um, – just to jump, I saw you posted some stuff too. It seems too short. Like I need this to be like a I, this should be a twelve parter. Like there there was one scene where uh, the future evil Batman Tim Drake is confronting in Wayne Manor uh, Damian uh, Nightwing and who else was Red it Hood. there Red Hood yeah. and he's like I I've been training for you know fifteen years to take you three down and I, and I'm like yes I'm gonna see I wanted to see how he took down each one of them and what he did and then it's just like a one panel like the next thing you see all three of them fall into the Batcave yeah. or something and I was like oh man I wanted a whole issue like that should have been the end of the issue and then the whole next issue should have just been a fight scene and how he takes them down and stuff but I, I realize. There's time and and all that stuff, but yeah. uh, it is. I think there's going to be more to this. I think there's going to be a. How should I say this? The fallout of this story will be a major part of the run of Detective Comics for the next like year to year and a half. Probably. I think so. I think it'll be cool. I I haven't read part four yet. Have you read part four? Yeah, I'm I'm all okay. I'm all caught up and and finished. And then, um, oddly enough, this just totally random. I read. Um, today just just out of just total randomness i just grabbed these books to re- i grabbed up some books from my to read stack um as i was going out to the car dealership and i read superman 27 and 28 which um i had been disappointed in 
the Superman 26 because it was a guest writer. Yeah. And man, without Tomasi and Gleason, like Tomasi and Gleason know how to write the Kent family so well. And you could just tell in that issue, like the tone and everything was just off. It just, it was so jarring. But I don't know. Did you read 27 and 28 where they get in like a Winnebago and travel around to yeah. historic yeah. sites? Yeah, that was really cool. I love how Tomasi just, if you haven't read these two issues, you, you got to read them. Um, it's just great how Tomasi just like pushes the boundary of like what's in a comic or what's in a superhero comic and wrote them so well. And it is a bit wordy. I don't know if this is what I would want out of every single comic I read every time. But as a ref- as a change, I thought it was really good. And oddly enough, today is Veterans Day. And a lot of it has to do with the wars and the sacrifices and veterans and Gettysburg and the Korean War and the Vietnam War and World War One and World War Two. And um, it was just a really different Superman story. And I really liked it. And I was wondering what you felt about Superman 27 and 28. No, I thought I thought they were were perfect. Like you said, if if it if every issue was wordy like that, I might kind of go, ah, that's a little, a little thick there, guys. But I think for that, you know, Winnebago adventure, if you want to call it that, I thought it was perfect because it was a father talking to his son and just about those type of moments, which I thought was was excellent. Uh, Tomas and Gleason, I think, are just really knocking it out of the out of the park with the Superman book. And traditionally, I haven't been a Superman comic book buyer. I would buy the event books, but it's another one of those rebirth books that right from issue one, they've had me the the whole way through. So I can forgive the, the guest writer coming in because I know when Tomas and Gleason come back, we're going to get a nice big, you know, story from him. So I thought both of those issues were great. And Tomasi and Gleason are a hard act to follow for yeah. the guest writer. Because then I, I read the next issue. It's where Superman becomes a yellow lantern. And even that one, you could just tell it was just a, a, a step below in the writing. Right. But um, I know some people right now are listening going, come on, stop talking about stuff that came out this month. We want to know about stuff from 23 years ago. Come <laughs> on, man. What What is this? But I, I had one more I wanted to ask you Go about. And, and that is uh, – what what was your take on now that it's concluded um, the war of jokes and riddles? <sighs> <laughs> oh, did I touch a nerve? <laughs> um, it 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 was not presented to. <laughs> I about said it's not presented to me in the way it was told. Like Snyder said, Rob, this is how we're going to do this story. I took it as, not Snyder, uh, King rather, um, that he was going to do this basically New 52 zero-year timeline story to kind of get out of the way of metal and other Batman events. But after it all folds out, this is just a story he's telling Catwoman. There's there's parts of it that I really liked, like Kite Man. I never thought I would say, I really like Kite Man. I want more Kite Man (laughs) in my stories. I thought it was really good. Riddler I thought was really solid in it. The Joker I thought just kind of really felt flat, and I thought it was kind of two issues too long. I thought there was uh, – I wanted a little bit bigger payout, and the whole thing that the Joker's lost his laugh, and we don't get it at the end. And this is the rebirth inter- introduction essentially of the Joker, and I, I, I don't know. I think King does some – 
some really good work. I feel like his stories are up and down. The first story arc is really good. The next one's kind of weak, and the next one's kind of up. This was kind of a downer for me a little bit. It's still good, but I was kind of getting bored with it by the last couple issues where I was like, okay, let's <laughs> let's wrap this up. And then it was basically buttoned by the proposal of will you marry me then the zero stuff and then him telling the story to Catwoman and then her basically saying yes and I was like I, I, I don't know it's it seemed a little disjointed in a couple spots I I, I enjoyed it but I, I think it could have been shorter so hopefully I didn't crap all over on the book where you're like oh man this was amazing it just it didn't hit the, strike the chord uh, for me so. well see I, I really liked it but as I read it, I knew like this is not for everyone. Like I, I'm like I'm digging this and I really like it, but I know that this that this is different and some people are going to have uh, a negative reaction to it. But I think that's good. I think you know you yeah. can't make something for everybody, and I, I like that they take chances and do something different. And uh, I liked how the Riddler was portrayed as really competent and not just a joke or. Right. Um, uh, just like a buffoon or like, what is this guy with the, you know, Jim Carrey kind of ish, you know? <laughs> so, so I, I dug that take on the Riddler. Um, and, you know, long ago, I, gosh, I, I must've been a teenager or something. I, you know, I, I, I saw this thing, Helena Wayne and I'm like, who the heck is Helena Wayne? I had no idea. And I think I read it on either the early internet or some kind of DC encyclopedia of like earth, was it Earth 2 or something where it was, yeah, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle were married and um, that was their daughter. And that just blew my mind. And I was always like, oh, my gosh. So I, I would love to see that. Like to me, I would love to see Batman get married to Selena and then her get pregnant and have a Helena and start going down that story, which I don't think they're going to do. And I, I just get the feeling it's just going to all be for not even like especially after the superman wonder woman romance from a couple years ago and now that's just completely like forgotten and and just like hey everybody look over here pretend that didn't happen (laughs) right so i i don't see it going anywhere but i do kind of i kind of like it the you know what one other book i said that that was gonna be the last one but one other one did you get um nightwing the new order no i didn't and i really like kyle higgins's writing but um, and it's not because I don't like Elseworlds, but I was just like, I'm already reading so much, and my stack is already so thick. I just didn't want to add another book to the pile. So I've told myself when it gets collected in a trade, I will go out and pick it up because I, I did like Higgins' New 52 Nightwing run. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I didn't. So it, it's kind of one of those as I stumble across stuff, if I hear you know, spoilery stuff. I'm like, cool, I'm planning on reading it anyway. So uh, you can uh, talk about it if you want. I did see that, you know, it looks like Tim Drake might be in the story somewhere on the cover. So I was like, mm, maybe I ought to <laughs> pick it up. But uh, what, yeah, what are you thinking of it? That's why I mentioned it. Uh, issue is one and two. And I thought it was a 12 issue series, but it says here six issues. So that's not so bad. Um, issues one and two were fantastic. And they were not what I was expecting. I, I thought the story was going in kind of a little different way. And uh, what it was, I thought, you know, I don't want to spoil stuff here, but it, it, it wasn't what I thought from the covers, per se. And then here I got issue three, 
which I haven't read yet, but it's got Tim Drake. I'm assuming Tim Drake, uh, Red Robin, but it's the like original, um, like Kingdom uh, Come, Kingdom Come, okay. you know, first, first, uh, pre new 52. Uh, and it looks really good. And then I just flip through it to see, and I don't see him in that suit anywhere on any of the pages. So I, it's set in the future. Like, I think, what is the year? I think it's, says uh, 2040 on the first page. Okay. Um, so he could be in it. He could be one of these guys I'm seeing just not in uh, superhero costume because there's a bunch of people um, or they could just talk about him. I'm seeing here and it looks like there's a Green Lantern. It looks like Jon Stewart at some point in here. And it also looks like at the end there's a flash on the last page. But I don't know which flash because he's got a totally different suit. So I don't know where Tim will – fit in if he does at all uh, maybe they mentioned him in the first and second issue and i just missed it <laughs> a bunch of people died in the first issue but uh but yeah that the cover to three looks really great so uh yeah well tell you what folks uh, uh we let's won't... get in the delorean and go back to 19 <laughs> what is it 1994 yeah <laughs> yeah it's like quit talking about the future we want to go back to the past rob so yeah <laughs> We're going to go backwards, and we're going to pick up uh, – we're kind of going to go through four books, two officially, and uh, we'll explain once we get there. So bear with us. Uh, we're going to be looking at Robin 12, uh, Batman 414, Shadow of the Bat 34, and Detective Comics 681 for the next four installments of Prodigal. Andy, I have an amazing idea. Let's do a podcast. We've been talking about doing this for years. That sounds great. So what should we talk about? Something no one else is talking about. Batman. <sighs> Mike, there are hundreds of Batman shows out there. You used to do one. True. Well, maybe we could do an index show. Are you insane? We both already host those. True again. Okay, maybe we could talk about Batman stories no one else does. Like the Jerry Conway run. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, we could discuss his entire run and then go into the Doug Mensch run. But we won't be tied down to that. We need to be free to talk about other Batman stories from that era as well. And we could call it The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. Great! Uh, I guess we should do a trailer. I think we kind of just did. Yeah, but it's missing something. Like, you should have added music behind us or something. Andy, I have an amazing idea. Let's do a podcast. We've been talking about doing this for years. That sounds great! So, what should we talk about? Something no one else is talking about. Batman. <sighs> Mike, there are hundreds of Batman shows out there. You used to do one. True. Well, maybe we could do an index show. Are you insane? We both already host those. True again. Okay, maybe we could talk about Batman stories no one else does. Like the Jerry Conway run. Ooh, ooh yeah. Yeah, we could discuss his entire run and then go into the Doug Mensch run. But we won't be tied down to that. We need to be free to talk about other Batman stories from that era as well. And we could call it The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. Great! The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. New episodes drop on the 14th and 28th of every month. The show and the website, www.overlookeddarknight.com, launch in May of 2017. From the Fortress of Bailitude Podcasting Network. 
right, we're back as uh, Terrence and I are, rip- are ripping on each other. Uh, Robin number 12, Prodigal Part 8. Uh, I thought this was a really cool issue before we get into it. Uh, I love the cover here. It's always kind of weird when they like superimpose, like we got this big, huge, hulking Robin. It's probably supposed to signify, you know, kind of like we always talk about the Peter Parker Spider-Man thing where Tim's having to hold, you know, his superhero identity. And he even says that in the book that he's got to take a couple punches because he's with Mary Jane. I mean, Ariana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, a really cool cover. And, uh, uh, Grummet's time on the book is slowly fading fast. This might be, uh, one of his final covers other than Robin 13. I think he does get to do, uh, that as well. Uh, what do you think of the cover here? Uh, for Robin 12. Yeah, it, it's bittersweet because it is, you know, uh, one of the final Grummet images we get. And I love Grummet's art. He was the perfect artist because it was not too realistic, but not too cartoony. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Phil, I, I don't know if it's pronounced Jimenez or Jimenez. Jimenez. Um, yeah, he he's a great artist, um, but it, it was just it was kind of jarring to go from his much more realistic, much more detailed. And, and as a Batman fan, I always had a chip on my shoulder cause they, you know, they, they said it in the letter column that he left to, to focus on Superboy, And I was like, why? Oh man, why does Superboy <laughs> get priority over Robin? But at the time Superman was selling better than Batman with the whole death of Superman and yeah. everything. And, um, and shortly after I, I meant to look it up, but I missed it. Superman launched a fifth title. Like Superman came back to his like classic Superman and they launched a fifth title that I think came out every three months so that way the book was weekly yeah. for those for those five week months and um that was also penciled by grummet and they had a really cool uh gimmicky cover where it was superman and it was like foil and it was fireworks behind him and when you move the the, the cover it kind of changed rainbow color behind it and uh i remember that that cover being on the news like i remember watching abc news in the morning yeah. and they were talking about that and i was like wow this is you know that's big time so i can i can understand why grummet would leave if right. the thing he left for got him on abc news right. but still it hurt my feelings as a robin fan <laughs> yeah right we talked about this on the the previous episode about phil jimenez's art like really good but i think we have just got so accustomed to grummet um, and uh, even Tom Lyle, that the the two artists kind of complemented each other. So this was kind of like the early stages of like just kind of getting yourself used to like artist changes. And it was nice that Dixon's writing, you know, obviously still stays through through the next uh, you know a hundred issues here. Uh, story- yeah, and you know one of the things I wanted to ask Chuck Dixon when we ever get to interview him again was if he changed his writing style for the different style of artists. And I've been thinking about that for a while. And then when we turn the page, like the first (laughs) image is like a bloody face with a gun pointed at you and explosions and everything. And I thought, hmm, I I guess Dixon did change it. But then as you see, it it, uh, did not to jump all over your narration, Rob, but it it turns out (laughs) to not really be what's going on. And it it, it turns out to be a much more lighthearted story in some ways. So, but, but I would love to ask Chuck if, if he changed any of his writing or um, his story ideas based upon the change in artists. If you see me on the YouTube channel or anything like that, I always have my hat backwards. It's because Tim Drake wore his hat backwards. No, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I, I can't take that. <laughs> I just looked at it and go, oh, Tim wears his hat backwards. He took that from me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was Ken Griffey Jr., but, you know. <laughs> right. 
Um, you know, the, the typical, and, and I like, we've said it a million times on the show that Chuck Dixon has a really good way of writing teenage dialogue without making it sound cliche. And it doesn't sound like, well, here's a 50 year old guy trying to sound like he's 16. He has the lingo. He's not using the lingo. He's just making the conversation sound like they would for, for teens and having them. I've, I've been in movie theaters. And my cousin's bad at this, of talking during the movie. I'm like, dude, you're that person that I hate, <laughs> you know? And he'd be the one that would, you know, throw pop in somebody's face and want to bait him into a fight. And I'm like, oh, please don't do that. So I've kind of witnessed this, but I've been on the other end of it. And I've been the person that's like, sorry, my cousin's a jerk. <laughs> have, have, you yeah. been in, have you been in theaters like that, just, where there's just, just that say, person? Yeah, I was just going to say, anyone who's listening to this podcast, knows that i ramble on so yeah i'm i'm usually that person who doesn't shut up and my wife and he's like Shh, quiet or friends but I, i'm the one where the person turns around and says you know quiet down i'm like yes i'm sorry sir i won't, I won't do it again you know like so i i've never like thrown you know as you ohio ohio or not ohioans what do you what did you call somebody from ohio uh, ohioan oh, yeah Ohioan, oh, as you Ohioans would call it, pop. pop. You know, as New Yorkers would call it, soda. <laughs> you know, which I, I, now I, I learned this week. Your is Orange Crush your favorite soft drink? Uh yeah, it's it's my go-to. That and uh, the Cherry Pepsi. Okay. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, the, the, when we're going through like a, a drive-through convenience store, I'll ask for an Orange Crush. I think I even took a picture recently. We're talking to Tim Jirasi about about doing some stuff, and in the foreground is uh, my orange my orange crush. So, if you want to get Rob orange crush for Christmas, he'll he'll take it or green yeah. or strawberry. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that's what Tim got thrown uh, in the face here, and this just kind of goes through of where okay, we're going to watch the movie and come out, and then Tim's got to quote unquote fight off his. Uh, a, attackers here and he's got to he's got to take the punch so he doesn't blow his identity because we know his readers like man he could just lay these guys right out and could come out looking like the hero for his girlfriend like yeah i kicked these guys butts but i don't think he also wants to come off as a jerk here and it looks like in uh on page uh it's not really numbered here but it looks like he gets curb stomped at some, yeah. at some point it, here. It's a pretty, pretty brutal beating because he even says, I can take a punch, I can roll with it. But yet he still gets kind of beat. And, and the, well, I'll let you finish what you want to say here and then I'll, I have some thoughts on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, that, that's about all I had for, for those couple of pages where he ends up taking the punch and the cop ends up breaking up the fight. And my only last little bit was at, at what point was Tim going to like, okay, I, I literally can't have them kill me here he's going to have to fight but the cop ends up saving his life so that was the end of my little spot so i'll kick it back over to you excuse me all right yeah i don't i don't like this i don't like it at all now i guess the idea of chuck dixon is that you're not supposed to like it and you're supposed to be angry by it so i get it Mm -hmm. but one of my favorite things is and we've talked about how much the tim drake robin run parallels you know 60s peter parker spider-man but one of my favorite things ever was in the original toby Maguire first spider-man mm-hmm. when he goes to school and he's got his now spidey powers and he just beats the bullies and just puts you know the bullies in their place and i was like this movie is amazing this is great this is why we love superheroes because everybody dreams of just being able to do that even the bullies dream of being able to do that because they're probably getting bullied by older kids or whatever like everybody wishes they could just be invulnerable and not have to take that crap from any 
anybody. And so this is like, well, why even be Robin if you're just going to get your butt kicked in a movie theater? But I, 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 I'm like, okay, I get he's taking a punch or two to protect his identity. But these these thugs really like manhandle Ariana around. Is it yeah. Ariana? You're right. Like they like throw her to the ground. They like for a while I thought it was going to go in a much darker. Yeah. Um, horrible place with with her being assaulted and he's just like well no my robin identity you know like at some point the robin identity like first well a couple things first of all save your girlfriend here i mean like her late like on whatever page it is the third or fourth page after the raw is war uh ad like her legs are up in the air she's being like thrown to the curb and stuff like you got to get up and just like risk your identity to save her whether she's your girlfriend or just some woman and then i don't know like if if you're in a fight like if if you were in a movie theater and a couple of jerks like uh were were being mean and you beat them up like would you just immediately be like oh well he must be a superhero oh he's obviously right he won a fight so he's obviously robin like like winning one fight behind a movie theater doesn't you know necessarily out you as a superhero but um Anyway, I I thought he could have done like a a kind of like a Christopher Reeve uh, Superman where he kind of like pretends to trip and fall, but actually, you know, beats the bad guys Mm -hmm. up or something or like pretends to fall and headbutts him or or something like that would have been more uh, satisfactory to me. But I get what Dixon's doing and I get the setup, but but I come away from it not being very happy by the whole thing. Yeah, and I I agree. I I that's exactly what I was thinking. Like you could have leg swept him or something, and and got yeah. and, and got away and had a throwaway line of like, "Boy, that that was lucky," you know. In the back of your yeah. mind, you're like, "That's right, Robin." You know, you got him. Tim goes into the Bat Cave. Dick's looking at his <laughs> wounds. Like he's got a nice shiner here, and I love Phil Menace's, uh art in the Bat Cave and seeing the Robin costume still on display there that they've, you know, put the pieces back together. Uh, Bruce is going to have it real handy. Dick's going to have cleaned this whole entire bat cave and Wayne Manor from top to bottom without Alfred. (laughs) Yeah. If you read prodigal, they really go out of their way to make you realize that Dick Grayson has great domestic skills. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, I can't tell you how many pages and how many books are devoted to the fact that he could do laundry and clean up (laughs) and, and obviously make, Repair the uh, Jason Todd memorial in the Batcave. I mean, Terrence and I are – we love this story, but I, that's one of those things I'm like, boy, they sure want to make sure, you know, like, hey, ladies, Dick can fold a towel. <laughs> yeah. And did this come out – this came out before Batman Forever with the whole Kung Fu laundry scene, right? Yes. Yep, yeah, yeah. So he, they carried it on even to the cinematic yeah. universe. That, yeah, Batman Forever was ninety five. This is ninety four. So somebody was probably reading this book and said, "Hey, Dick does laundry. Let's put that yeah. in, our, in our movie." It, it had to be. That cannot be a coincidence. No, no. Joel Schumacher had to just like open up a page of Prodigal and see that and be like, "This, this is important." They keep in the last four issues I've read. It's about his laundry skills. We gotta gotta I, include that. I didn't yeah. read the story, but this is an important story beat, so we're gonna put it in there. For the record, not that anybody's keeping a record of my feelings on Batman Forever, but if there was a record of it, when I sat in the movie theater in 1995, when I was whatever 
22 or 21 and saw that Kung Fu laundry scene. I thought it was one of the coolest darn things I'd ever seen. And even now today when I watch that movie, I still like that scene. So I know there's a lot of people who roll their eyes at it and stuff, but I love Batman Forever. I forgive it for whatever shortcomings it has. And I think the Kung Fu laundry scene is actually pretty cool. So and I and I may have tried out a few of those moves in my mom's house by the laundry machine. I, I may not have, but I, I may have. Yes. Yeah. I I'm right there with you. I'm I'm not even an apologist. I'm I have a Batman Forever Robin poster on my wall right now that I'm that I'm looking at. I still the original poster from from that movie. There's no Batman and Robin poster, but I <laughs> and I, yeah. that, that was one of those things. I thought, oh man, that's so cool. Dick Grayson has all the self control. He can pull laundry across the thing. But when people yeah. talk about it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that that that's dumb. And secretly, I'm like, I still think it's kind of cool. <laughs> well, I saw Batman and uh, Batman Forever opening night uh, in some movie theater on Long Island, New York, and everyone in that crowd left happy with that movie and yeah. raving about what a great movie it was. And I know there's been a lot of revisionists, but I think just kind of the same way Adam West's Batman, you know, had peaks and troughs. I think that movie, it suffers a little bit because of Batman and Robin and, uh, or a lot of bit, I guess from that. And I do think it will find its, its appreciation, I think a little bit further down the line, but I, I enjoy the heck out of that movie even to this day. Uh, and I'm just throwing this out there. You know, Terrence and I have another podcast who knows, maybe there'll be a commentary track of that movie that Terrence and I will do somewhere down the line. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying <laughs> that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> so now that we've talked for an hour on these <laughs> first, first yeah. couple, couple pages, Tim's, I would say retaliation, the way he's going to cope with it is let's go out and let's beat some bad guys up. And Dick's kind of like, yeah, okay. I, I can understand that. But Tim's finding out it's it's kind of like a hollow victory. Yeah, he got to beat up some low-level thugs and really uh, whoop some butt, but it still didn't quelch that that thing that that he actually needs. He didn't surpass is the wrong word. He he didn't put out the fire from you know kind of getting his butt handed to him. But the art from Phil Jimenez on this two splash pages is absolutely beautiful. Tim Drake's right front and center on the two of them, especially with the one. I wish the pages were numbered here. Sorry, folks. But where he's doing, he's kicking the guy like straight towards the camera and his capes all flared out with Batman in the background. And I like that Dick's kind of in the background, like, okay, you do your thing. And it's almost like, you know, Bruce, let me do this once. And there's a lesson here and you're going to realize it's, it's not going to make you happy going out and, uh, kicking these guys. So what do you think about this little sequence uh, here? Yeah, this will make you uh, forget about Tom Grummet or at least, you know, feel you're, you're good. Even the page before that, the Batmobile mm-hmm. uh, roaring through the streets with the smoke. It, it's it's the best I think Phil Jimenez's art has looked so far in the, the Robin series. He's definitely getting better and better as it goes on. And then on the next page, like when Tim Drake is uh, waking up in his room, I swear that room looks just like my room from 1994 or five, whenever this book came out, you know, bed's not really made. There's comic books all over the floor. There's a giant monitor computer system (laughs) set up on a desk, you know? So, uh, and it's not a very big room for a guy who lives in a mansion, but uh, the the one thing I'll say about Jimenez's art that I do kind of miss is Grummet was very consistent. Now, he might have been a little too consistent with his faces because everyone looked the same. Yeah. But Jimenez, his his 
his face is very wildly so like the the that Tim Drake waking up out of bed it looks like the elongated man with like his his chin and nose like it, it it's not as consistent as I might like but it gets the job done and then um I had I wanted to ask you about this because I couldn't remember so when this like super hot supermodel slash personal trainer comes in does does Tim Drake's dad end up marrying her I I think th- I. This is where we miss Ryan. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I, I think that this is that his dad ends up marrying, but that ends up becoming his his stepmom. I'm I'm almost positive. By the way, this is out that his dad is head over heels about working out, or is he more focused on his his new trainer? Like I'm yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive. So uh, maybe you'll hear an edit somewhere in, in, into the show, but I'm 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 almost 100 percent sure. Now watch, I'm going to eat crow. Like no, Rob, that's not it at all. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. I couldn't remember, and, and now it's. Uh, I'll I'll look it up if you want to go over the next. Oh, here comes the laundry <laughs> scene. Yeah, if you want to g- give a detail. I mean, for two guys, I they have a well maybe uh what's his face down in the bat cave. Um, Harold. Harold. They maybe they they throw Harold a bone and do his laundry too. But there's like three baskets and five towels, and I mean these two guys make a lot of laundry. And Tim should be doing laundry at his own house, so it's really just <laughs> Dick and Harold's laundry. So, yeah, yeah there, there's a lot there. Yeah, either that or Jean Paul just used one towel every single day and left them all over the floor. So in and the whole Ibotta little skit that we did of all the bathrooms, Jean-Paul probably used every single towel in every <laughs> – so Dick's like, my gosh, I'm in the 34th bathroom in Wayne Manor, and there's more towels to still do. So maybe that's why he's doing laundry so much. Hey, uh, here, edit, edit, note, edit, whatever music you make for the edit, edit, note, you know. Uh, according to DC Fandom – DCWika.com. Dana Winters was a physical therapist who was employed to help Jack Drake recover from crippling injuries sustained at the hands of the Obeda man. I can never say that. O-B-D-E-H. Uh, Dana Win- Obeda man. Dana Winters fell in love with her employer and eventually married him. So you See, were right, Rob. I was right. Yep. I did. She had as a fairly. Oh, go ahead. No, I, said, I, I didn't want to fully jump off the ledge like Tim with the glider, so I said, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she had a fairly close relationship with Jack's son, Tim Drake, but is unaware of his activities as Robin. When the gang war broke out in Gotham, Jack and Dana were summoned by Tim to the East End Clinic, where they provided help and relief to some of the many injured people. Following Jack's death, Dana went into psychological shock and was treated at a clinic in Bloodhaven, which I guess now with the fact that Tim Drake's parents were both still alive for a while in the new 52 she's probably been retconned out but i I still remember that i think i remember thinking man i wish my dad had a physical therapist come over (laughs) who would look like that yeah boy my stepmom is hot (laughs) yeah i'm glad i kind of remember that so uh ryan we we muddled along without you but uh (laughs) yeah um so we get a little bit of I'm assuming that this is a little bit more of Troika kind of working its way in where the Dujinskos are kind of getting like their poor storefronts constantly getting shot up. And KG Beast was at the hands of it the last time, even though uh, he appears uh, in uh, the story a little bit later. So Ariana ends up running after her uncle kind of gets beaten. And uh, Tim does get his come up again against these guys. Him kind of walking through uh, Gotham City after you know he doesn't know this is going on with Ariana yet. 
Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. At least the thing that we were complaining about earlier, that Tim does see these guys again and kind of gets to a kick a little butt. But his victory is short-lived as Eri kind of comes back over and we find out, um, you know, where Tim finds out what's happened. And then the KG Beast reference uh, comes right back in towards the tail end. So I thought that was kind of cool. We haven't seen uh, the KG Beast uh, since Robin 3, Cry of the Huntress. So, uh, what do you think of uh, issue twelve uh, with uh, that last little bit of the Drazinskos, and then uh, kind of seeing uh, the mob um, and uh, Troika kind of get uh, mentioned again? Yeah, I agree with you. It was done really well. Sets things up very realistic. Like this is something that happens, you know, to especially immigrant business owners in in yeah. rough parts of town, and and this is something you see on the news, so it's not far fetched. I like the little Troika setup where, you know, I like when they have storylines, but they set them up in other storylines. And that last full page of the KGB, he looks really good. Like he looks really muscular, but it's not ridiculously comical like a Bane or, or like a Kelly Jones cover with 18,000 ass. Abs, you know, it's like, right. he looks like a, a a really strong guy who probably does some roids or something. And um, <laughs> I, I think it was good bringing the KG Beast as uh, I always want to call him like KG Beast, but you know, like fast like KG Beast, <laughs> uh, the KG Beast um, as kind of one of Robin's villains and seeing him in Robin since he was in three. And I think at that point he had not really been in a lot of Batman stuff. No. And I actually think he looks better here than he did in All Star Batman uh, a couple months ago. Oh, so. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, you know, it's a pretty solid issue. And it's at that point, like you look and it's like Robin 12. It's like, man, this this series that people said would never happen has already got a year under its belt. Yeah, definitely. Now, we did mention we were going to go through four books and we're going to kind of. This is kind of what we're going to do through the podcast. If Tim's not really in it, we're kind of go through the story. I mean, generally, we're going to be talking about the Robin series, but when it kind of crosses paths with other books, we'll kind of uh, breeze through them a little bit. Uh, the next two issues, I'll I'll take this one and I'll uh, give uh, part ten over. Uh, to Terrence just to briefly talk about it. Uh, this is basically a night at while Tim was doing his thing, uh, getting beat up by the moviegoers. Uh, Dick is out talking with Tim just briefly, but some other people that had got uh, out of the jail because of Two Faces involvement from our previous episode. Dick's having to go back out and kind of track all these guys down and. Uh, Tim kind of gets the pass of, hey, you've got homework, you've got your dad, you've got your dad's trainer, and, you know, she's pretty hot. you got to go oogle her for <laughs> for a while. Yeah. So, I think, doesn't Dick even make a comment of, like, oh, I'm going to have to come over there and hang yeah. out or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. So uh, not to take uh, you know anything away from the story, but just for the podcast, it's really not Tim Drake heavy other than those first couple pages. It's Batman going out doing what Batman does and taking care of these three uh crooks that had gotten out of Blackgate or various prisons uh, because of Two-Face and rounding them all back up. And that's pretty much uh, the story. So um, it's still uh, Doug Mensch does a really good uh, job writing the story with Wagner and Rubenstein uh, doing the arts in it. It's a beautiful book. But just for the podcast, we kind of want to move things a little bit farther. Um, I thought it was another good book. Did you have any comments uh, on on that particular issue with Batman 514 at all? Yeah, I, I like the cover a lot. I think it's a cool cover, but it's a cover that could fit any – it's very generic. It could yeah. fit any Batman story anywhere. Um, and, you know, 
it was I thought it was a kind of a mediocre story. It was all right. It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought the um, internal monologue of Dick Grayson kind of doubting himself as Batman and doubting the whole bat it was is getting a little old at this point in the storyline. You know, it's, it's we're now at part nine. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, OK, we've heard this, you know, but um, that leads into uh, part 10, which takes place in Batman uh, Shadow of the Bat number 34, which has got a, a beautiful Brian Stetsfries cover. Oh, yeah. And in fact, the the artist I'm not um, too familiar with is the name M.D. Bright and inker Scott Hanna written by Alan Grant. And I, I feel like the art is just it's really good. I, I really like this art. Yeah. Um, but there is no Tim Drake in this issue at all it's a um issue it starts out where batman has already been captured so you kind of don't really know what happened and he's been captured by the tally man who was part of night quest the search i want to say i I did the youtube videos for him but was it the quest the crusade crusade? yeah okay and i remember doing the youtube videos for for that and so tally man still thinks that it's the jean paul valley batman um and as the story goes on, you get a little flashback of how Batman got captured and stuff. And then they give you a little flashback of the crusade stuff with, uh, the, the tally man. And if you remember from that issue, uh, Jean Paul kind of goes crazy and carves a bat symbol in the mm. chest of tally man. So there's a lot of flashback of that. And then there's some flashback of Dick remembering, um, you know, the circus and being, robin and the teen titans and then the titans and it's it's kind of like almost like a, a zero issue or a who's who issue yeah. going at that and then it's just kind of you know batman escapes and then they fight for a bunch of pages and then they fight for some more pages and then batman wins and ties up the tally man and that's about it and so you know it, it's not bad you know and and if you're a dick grayson fan it's kind of cool to get the the recap of all this stuff but it kind of it feels a little odd as issue 10 in the prodigal it it it, it's it's just kind of a weird place to put all these flashbacks and everything so so and it kind of my favorite thing about prodigal is the dick grayson tim drake interaction and Tim act, actually being with someone who knows what it's like to be a Robin and who actually smiles and and has a little fun like we'll see in part 11 as we, we get to um, like when they want to take the rocket car or the, the subway rocket and they both like <laughs> smile at each other and they're like, yeah, like that. That's the kind of stuff I like about Prodigal, and um, Part Ten just didn't have any of that in it. So, what do you think of Part Ten? I I thought it was per, was an interesting story. I think it kind of did a nice callback to uh, the Azrael days, and you know, this is another villain that Dick has never run up against, and the villain has familiarity with Batman and. You know, Dick sees firsthand of how crazy Jean Paul was with getting things, you know, carved into the tally man. And um, it, to me, this seems out of place. Like the two face part of Prodigal was was so good that this kind of feels like this story should have been shifted. Like along with uh, the Rat Catcher, that this should have been one of the earlier fights that he got into leading up to. Uh, the two-face fight it was still really good i'm i'm glad it's a part of prodigal but it it just seems misplaced like you were saying this is issue 10 the story should be really ramping up at this point for the final couple issues and this just kind of plateaus a little bit it just it seems it's still a good story but it just seems out of place for me yeah as great as i look as prodigal is and as much as i love it it could have actually been two 
stories. What the two face could have been called prodigal. And then they could have had a second Dick Grayson Batman story yeah. or, or something, or these could have just been standalone issues. It, it doesn't feel like one big story the way something like a, a nightfall does or something like that. Yeah. But part 11, I really enjoyed. So I think we should, we, we should, uh, have some good things to say about part 11 if <laughs> people think we're just ragging on prodigal because <laughs> i do love it i do love it oh same here and this is i don't know if i would call this an iconic shot on uh detective comics uh 681 but it's a great batman and robin shot that kind of pages pays homages to different versions of batman and robin um with having you know, obviously Batman and Robin on the front of the cover and wh- whoever this creature is that they're trying to uh, track down, uh, written by Chuck Dixon, art by Graham Nolan. So I think this is a, a really solid cover. It's Again, it's not like, oh, this is the greatest cover ever, but it's a solid cover. Uh, what do you think of uh, Detective Comics 681 cover? Yeah, I always forget which issue it is, but it, it is like kind of an homage to that one where it's Batman and Robin and it's like the spotlight on them and they're in this this pose here. And I do like it's kind of funny if you look in the background underneath um Batman, you say like Nolan did cover <laughs> and then on yeah. the newspaper. Do you see that? That, yep, that yep. kind of cracks me up. And in fact the art, Chuck Dixon, Graham Nolan, pencils, Claus Jensen, ink a guest inker, and he's he's always a very thick inker. Um, it, it really reminded me a lot of the Bane Conquest series that's going on now. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, I kind of like that Bane Conquest series just for the the nostalgia feel of it and the aspect of it. The art overall, including the cover, was fantastic. You know. And then let me ask you this: the inside of the cover has a. a, a ad for Mortal Kombat 2 where you, for the Super NES, Genesis, Game Boy, and Game Gear. Were you a big Mortal Kombat guy? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I thought so, yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm the jerk that would go up to somebody at the arcade and, you know, challenge them. I would lose the first round on purpose. Oh, gosh. Barely, yeah. barely win the second round. Like, whoo. And then I would just annihilate you on the third. And then after I win... I'll count the machine out and walk away from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was my, kind of a my, jerk like that. <laughs> yeah, my brother got Mortal Kombat, I want to say for the Sega Genesis. It may have been something else, and then it didn't have, like, the blood in it. Yeah. And we had to, I think, call a number to get a special code to unlock the 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 ripping out the spine and everything. Mm-hmm. Finish him. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was I, I haven't played it in forever, and I bet it seems like really tame and mild compared to what we've got now. But oh, yeah. but in its day, that was like shocking. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I love that. And actually, it even has a little box on the very bottom. Sorry to cut you off, but no. it says may not be appropriate for players under seventeen years of age. <laughs> I. I know I well yeah ninety four I was yeah I was eight, eighteen by by ninety four but Mortal Kombat had been round long enough uh, at this point through different variations of it that I know I wasn't seventeen when I first started playing Mortal Kombat yeah and if you would have told me back then that the, one day would have a Mortal Kombat versus DC Heroes I would have not believed you <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Uh, this issue kind of starts off like the Tallyman issue did, where 
it's like what wh- what am I missing here in the beginning? You know, as we I was reading this like right before the we got ready to record, I was like, man, I I don't think this ties into the tally man stuff. This just feels like another adventure that Dick and Tim happen to be on uh, of this other being or creature, or the, we kind of think it might be Azrael that's kind of taken some people out. With you know, tough Tony Brassy gets uh, mentioned again. And uh, Crazy Maury uh, is kind of uh, <laughs> talking here um, that they they can't figure out who who's knocking people off who the who has these razor claws. So that's kind of uh, the opening sequence of these guys at the beginning here trying to fight somebody, and then the guy on the roof is talking to Batman and Robin. He's trying to say, you know, this guy just kind of came in. We don't know what it is, and Dick and. It, more Dick than Tim is really thinking it, it could be Jean-Paul, and Tim's kind of wanting to say, this doesn't really feel like his M.O. And uh, it, it took me a little bit to remember that, you know, spoilers, it's not Azrael, but as I was reading it for th- today, I was kind of going, man, I don't remember Azrael being in here, but I, I, I was kind of on Dick's side. So what do you kind of think with this uh, first little bit? And I, I do like on page five where Dick kind of like turns really quick to Tim and say, Bruce, you know, Bruce is an infallible Tim. He has been known to be wrong. Uh, he's the one that made a lunatic in charge. Remember? And Tim's kind of like, Whoa, you know, chill here. So Dick has to kind of pull his, you know, foot out of his mouth and be like, Hey, I'm not trying to be the dark brooding guy. And they kind of, you know, go through the computer here. But what'd you think of this first little uh, section here? Yeah. Uh, there's so much I like about it. Um, the I do love that they they both disagree that you know Dick thinks it's Azrael and Tim does not although that Tim doesn't really give much reason why it wouldn't be him <laughs> even though he's seen him be some crazy right. psycho killer the only thing he says is I just don't see him picking up the vigilante gig again but he never says why or not and I'm like this is the guy who tried to kill you in the back see where you're standing right there Tim he tried to kill you which also makes me wonder and I never noticed this till right this second why they only have one chair in the bat cave <laughs> Batman and Robin. Right. Tim's, Tim's always got to stand it's like if you were a fan of the X-Files in the 90s like Scully never had a desk in the the thing or something but get 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 the poor guy another chair but um the uh i do like seeing how they kind of work out a disagreement you where because this is not how it would go if it was bruce as batman and tim and i like eventually they're just like all right well you investigate your lead and i'll investigate my lead and you know we can agree to disagree which is not what bruce wayne batman would do and i i too i kind of I forgot these issues, you know, even last time I read them was like decades ago. For some reason, I think I kind of knew it wasn't Asriel because I, I, I thought he doesn't come back till his own series. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I had no idea who it was and completely had forgotten about it. Um, but I do like the bitterness that Dick kind of has where he's kind of like, well, Bruce left him in charge. Like he's not he's not happy about that. Um, and then we get um, a little bit with the, the Gotham PD and uh, introduction of a new character, which they did this a lot of like, we'll introduce a new character and give him a couple panels. But his real like story arcs not going to come for a while. And then uh, then we get the scene I told you about with the rocket subway rocket which i i loved i think that's a really great dialogue that dixon pulls uh, off here with uh dick and tim of them deciding what means of transportation they're going to take kind of dick's leaning one way and tim's tim's leaning towards the rocket and dick kind of knows okay we're gonna take the rocket tim tim's really want to take the rocket because he's never been 
writing in the rocket before. So you can kind of see uh, just from uh, what Nolan is doing on with the uh, the pencils here that Tim looks really excited, like, sweet, we're going to take the rocket. Uh, so what do you think about the subway rocket and then uh, Montoya and Bullock here? Yeah, a couple things. I like how they added the fact that Harold updated the subway rocket, that it's tied into the transit system and so that it'll keep them off tracks, that a train isn't within. He says, if there's a train within two miles of our, on our line, it'll keep it off it, which I like because that's the thing I always wondered about about the subway rocket is like wouldn't you hit a train eventually so and and now in detective comics they haven't used them in a while but i think they were saying they have subway rockets but they're from an old abandoned subway that was under the modern subway right. i think is was that the case or something yep. so i thought that was cool and then it's kind of classic montonia and uh bullock here and having just read lonely place of living parts two and three it was with commissioner montonia it was kind of cool to see um and i i love you know, the the Batman and Robins, just the silhouettes swinging from the building, even though it's probably incredibly implausible. It reminds <laughs> me of the animated series. Yes. And I, I don't care if it's not too realistic. It, whatever. It's it's cool. It's comics. It's fun. I think everything up to there where they have the disagreement and get ready to go their own way, it moves really fast. But it's it's in a good way, not in a bad way. Yeah, it's very fluid. I think that just again, we. You're going to hear say a lot on the podcast, just the writing that Chuck Dixon has. He has the ability to speed the story along when the story should be moving. Like when Batman and Robin are fighting, it should seem fast paced. And them having their disagreement, I would say disagreement, but Tim would not have this. If Bruce said, we're going to go check this lead, that's exactly where Tim would have gone. But Tim points out to Dick that he didn't hire me as a sidekick. He hired me as a partner. So... Bruce probably would say, Tim, you go take this lead. I'm going to take that. And even as Dick's kind of gliding away, he says, you know, we'll, we'll divide and conquer. You know, Dick is saying that there's strength in numbers. So this is kind of one of those things, too, that we've been saying in Prodigal, where Dick's really kind of relying on Tim in some ways of, you've been working with Batman more recently than I have. If this is how he would tackle the situation, then I'm going to go by doing that rather than us being in two places or being at one place at the same time, we can split up and we can cover more ground in Gotham because each of them are effective crime fighters. So I thought that was really pretty cool. And then uh, <laughs> you're talking about the chair on page 13. Tim doesn't even sit in the chair back in the Batcave. When he's <laughs> yeah. going back through, through it like, oh, this is Batman's chair. I still yeah. have to stand behind the chair. So, Don't mess uh, up my butt imprint. I, I've worked years to get that. Um, one thing I, I, I really like going back, um, when I was reading it, there's one line that where Tim says, uh, maybe it's time we each pursued our own tracks. And when I read it, I, I wasn't paying attention to where the word balloon was pointing, and I thought it was Batman at first. And then when I read the next line where Batman's like, what's that supposed to mean? I'm like, wait. Do you say that? And then I look I'm like, oh, wait, that came out of Tim Drake. And this is, to me, classic, perfect Tim Drake. He's he's uh, smart. He's uh, stands up for himself. He, he gives his opinion, but he's not bratty. He's not whiny. He's not the t- cliche, teenage, annoying, you know, Wesley Crusher on Star Trek kind of guy. And I, I he's not disrespectful. He's not disobedient. He's just like but he's not mousy and and you know, backing down either. So that's why I think I really like, like Tim Drake. And the times when I, I haven't liked the writer of Tim Drake, they stray from this. And this is the thing that Chuck Dixon, where I'm, I'm so glad he was doing Detective and the Robin series. He just got perfectly with Tim Drake. He just knew that that 
line of, you know, stand up for yourself, give your opinion, be firm, but not be the bratty teenager you just want to see thrown off the, the building by yeah. the Joker. And Tim has the way of saying your part, your piece, and then get out of the way and, you know, not be pound, not to be the one pounding your fist because, again, uh, testament to Dixon's writing, knowing that if he writes Tim in that way, nobody's going to listen to Robin in that manner, and you'll take the character more seriously. And um, it's just it's evident by the story. So Tim is trying to track down all these people and find out where who's taking owner for tough to Tony Brassi and Handy Andy, who he's going to be the next target. That whoever this thing is that uh, is taking out the mob that he he needs to go there and he's just working this out through the the back computer and then talking to Harold even though Harold's a mute not saying anything it's still giving him somebody to play off of dick is take or er, going to the route of jean paul and finding the salvation like mission of where uh, jean paul is and we find out in just a, a few pages that uh, jean paul is there and is in no condition whatsoever to be able to be doing the things that are going on. Man, it's really jarring to see Jean-Paul, who was this fierce, you know, creature of the night, just brutalizing people to being this like almost like schizophrenic homeless person in a shelter, you know, terrified of Batman. It, it's really jarring. And then the the scene with Handy Andy, I wonder what the couple pages before Robin lists the names of these uh uh, gangsters and there's uh, Nikki the Grip Teller, Big Danny Fresco, Little Danny Fresco, Chubby Moran, Lucky Silver, and then Tough Tony Brezzi, Jimmy Valentine, and then Handy Andy. I wonder if like was Dixon just like, oh man, it's late. I gotta go to bed. I'm just gonna like put these in, or or was he like, oh, these are it. I'm gonna make a fortune. This is you know, Handy Andy's gonna be on the animated series, and uh, I'll be <laughs> selling uh every kind of variant action figure to that Rob Myers guy and raking in the dough. But um, I love that Handy Andy's got the clapper. That's just hilarious. Yes. And uh, I love how Robin, man, he just takes these guys down because it looks like he's like surrounded by them and he just like clap on, clap off, and he just takes them down. Um, and then, yeah, you kind of see the claws come out. And you know at this point it's not Jean-Paul because Dick is already um, – found john paul in the um mission so you're kind of like well well who is this with with robin and then that's when something else happens with dick grayson which i'll let you say and then dc puts an ad right in the middle yes. of it that kind of spoils everything what are you doing dc but anyway yeah. I'll, I'll let you take it away rob <laughs> well and then just like our comment with the chair we know the chair is not supposed to be occupied by anybody other than batman so yeah. who Tim wouldn't be sitting in the chair, so surprise. Uh, do you guys mind if I start? Um, Penny, yeah. that's where I sit. <laughs> sit next to me. No, I sit there. What's the difference? What's the difference? Here we go. In the winter, that seat is close enough to the radiator to remain warm and yet not so close as to cause perspiration. In the summer, it's directly in the path of a cross breeze created by opening windows there. And there, it faces the television at an angle that is neither direct, thus discouraging conversation, nor so far wide as to create a parallax distortion. I could go on, but I think I've made my point. It's Bruce Wayne. So Bruce is like very 
shocked that Dick, like, what, didn't you think I would return? And Dick's yeah. like, no, I'm not sure that you would. And it's spoiled by the page before the Dark Knight returns every month, <laughs> yeah. you know. So they're already putting for the ad for Troika coming uh, up very shortly. And uh, that is our cliffhanger for uh, this particular podcast. So uh, since the story concludes in Robin 13, we thought this would be a good way to kind of leave you hang until uh, the next episode. And what's cool is uh, Robin 13, the cover, is a Tom Grummet cover. Not the last one because I know – um, I'm looking 15 is still a Grummet cover. So is 16. Um, but it it has a split screen on Robin 13 and one, one half is Steel Jacket and Tim Drake going at it. And the other side is Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne exchanging scowls with their blue hair and then <laughs> clenched fists at each other. And Bruce is like, I've been gone for three months. I need you to do my laundry, Dick. And he's like, I'm tired of doing laundry. No more, Bruce. No <laughs> more. Leave that master, Dick. I'll attend to it. <clears throat> I'm not used to being waited on, Al. It's like I trained you in Kung Fu Laundry. <laughs> Kung Fu Laundry. <laughs> Thanks, I get. Yeah. Um, I I liked the, this issue of Detective 681, and it makes me go, yeah, this, this is why I liked the story. So what were your thoughts on this particular issue and the kind of, uh, you know, what's coming around the corner? Yeah, I agree. And I'll give everybody a little, as you always say, the little peek behind the, the curtain. Uh, originally, when we were going back and forth trying to find a time to do this, you would kind of send out to everybody, where we'll do Robin 12 and Batman 514. And then we agreed we were going to record at 7 o'clock tonight. And so at 6.20, I got done cutting the grass, which it's the middle of November. Everyone says, oh, you live in the south, no more shoveling snow. But I still got to cut my grass in the middle of November and <laughs> start up again in February. But um, the um, – so I read uh, Robin 12, and I got done at that at, I don't know, like 6.20-ish or 6, you know, 6.30. And then I picked up you know Batman 514 Part 9, and I'm like – halfway through it and i'm like there was only like two pages of tim drake and then i finished it and i was like eh, this wasn't you know it was what it was so i sent you a and then i looked through 10 and saw um part 10 that there's no tim drake so i sent you a text that like oh i don't know uh, what was that 645 or something or yeah 645 yeah five and i had just started detective comics 681 that we just reviewed i was on like page two and i said hey how about we just do you know eight and eleven and just kind of go quick and you're like well i haven't read eleven and let me read it now and i'm like i'm on page two right now so so we finished (laughs) issue eleven literally like moments before we started recording both of us so that was kind of kind of fun and uh, i probably am into this now so i'll probably read 13 tonight and then read it again when we want to record right but uh you know part of um when when we well you started the podcast before me but kind of when i kind of came on board and kind of doing all this and everything i i always was kind of looking forward to doing prodigal because that's always been one of my favorite storylines and i knew it was such a a a good tim drake storyline as well as just the batman and a, a dick grayson so it's been fun to to get to do prodigal again and um it is every bit as good as i remembered and and maybe even a little bit more so now that i can look back look at it kind of um 
with a, a middle-aged view and see, you know, the relationship between them and, and see things with a little more maturity that yeah, that's just, just darn good storytelling by the people at DC. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, this was one too, that I think I liked it so much when it was going on. I know it sounds like we're giving our final wrap ups here. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that again, yes. but, uh, uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised of having not read this in almost 20 years that each issue, even the ones that I were kind of like, yeah, that, that was okay. It was still really good storytelling uh, all the way through. So I'm excited to where, you know, to officially get Bruce Wayne back under the cowl again. And then, you know, for this show uh, to be really jumping into some Robin stories that I know I've never heard on any other podcast and some books that I only may have read once, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we, like I, we said at the beginning of the show here, that you know we're kind of juggling schedules around the holidays. So there may be one show in December. There may be two. Um, I would like to try and do a Christmas show. So I'm just kind of putting some of that uh, stuff out there. Um, the only place of living will be after the new year, and uh, uh, Prodigal will at least uh, get that in there. And there may be a Justice League show somewhere in there or i may be appearing on other podcasts talking about the justice league i know uh, the batman universe is going to be doing one i think i'm going to guest over there and uh, the bat fans has asked terrence and i both to be on their show doing one but terrence will be um in disney at the time that that's going on so some other things to kind of look forward to um if the drake it kind of has some hiccups there so uh i would say where where people can find you terrence but if they want to find you you'll kind of be walking around <laughs> disney yeah look for the uh middle-aged man in mickey ears with you know the the lots of food no but uh yeah i mean i'd say the, still the best place is over on facebook at the everybody loves the drake uh Facebook page. There's a lot, a lot of good comments there, and you can check out our YouTube page. Just type in "Everybody Loves the Drake," and it'll uh, pop up. And um, you know, that's about it. I, I enjoyed the heck out of this, Rob. I hope people listening enjoyed it as well. And I'm, I'm looking forward to you know the holidays and all that stuff. So I probably won't. I, I, well, I should say that I might not talk to you before Thanksgiving. So if if I do, they, but I know DC had that ad a few years ago. It was like the whole Batman family and like Pilgrim gear yeah. <laughs> thing. I, I imagine you there with them enjoying some turkey. So I hope you and your family have a a great Thanksgiving. Yep, and this this will be the uh, probably the last uh, episode before Thanksgiving. So hopefully everybody out there has a good Thanksgiving. Uh, we will see you sometime after Thanksgiving and before Christmas. Don't know if it's going to be one show, two shows, or uh, how that's going to go. So just kind of bear with us as we kind of go through the holidays. So on the behalf of Terrence, this has been Rob, and you've been listening to the Batman Universe. But more importantly, you're listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you next time for the final installment of Prodigal. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. 
Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the batmanuniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over on our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.